Welcome to the iRacers Download. I am your host, Taylor Burris. Joining us, of course, is my wonderful co-host, Justin Prince, and our fabulous producer, Wayne Owens. And Justin, we have a special guest joining us. He is a competitor in the eNASCAR Road to Pro Qualifying Rounds driver for Bobby Dale Earnhardt Legacy Esports and Arkham Menards Cannon East driver Parker Retzlaff, who took home the top split win and the last week's round over at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. So a lot to look forward to, Justin. Absolutely, especially since Parker Retzlaff has been one of the up-and-coming rising stars in all of iRacing for the past couple of years. When you add on his experience in eNASCAR Ignite Series for a couple of years ago, as well as his experience in 2020 with the NASCAR Root Series, there is a lot of talent when it comes to Parker Retzlaff, and it's been seen on the virtual side and it's been starting to be seen, especially the re-rolled side, in the past couple of years or so. Certainly is. So let's go ahead and bring, or let's go ahead and interview with him and talk with him. Parker, welcome, of course, to the iRacers Download. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm just glad to be here and glad to be on the on the show. Well, we appreciate you taking your time and your busy schedule to come out and have a little bit of a chat with us. Well, first and foremost, talk to us about your race in the season opener at Las Vegas. A lot of heavy hitters coming out to compete against you. And probably you are working with one of the strongest teams, Bobby D. Earnhardt Legacy Esports. And your thoughts into that entire setup as well as the race. Yeah, I mean, it was my first ever road to pro race, and I went into it just hoping to get a good solid points day, and I knew we took off really fast, and we had a fast car, but I knew that there was a lot of competition going into it, but I knew that everyone on the team built a strong truck, so I knew we had a chance to win the race, and I played everything smart, and we just had enough at the end to win the race. Certainly so. I mean, you were going. You had one of the highest I ratings in this strength of field. I mean, which was over seven thousand. For those of you who are wondering what I rating is, I rating is how is a ranking system to show your talent and skill on the I racing service. And Parker was actually one of the highest ones, in fact, with a nine thousand one hundred and sixty-six I rating. So pretty much one of the cream of the crop, top level drivers on the I racing service. And you had a couple of teammates, but pretty much was working your way methodically up through the fields where some strategy was able to help you overcome and win at Las Vegas. So you look ahead through the rest of the season. Atlanta is coming up in a couple of weeks' time for you. What is your thoughts on the rest of the season, and do you feel like you have what it takes to compete in the eNASCAR uh, Road to Pro Series? Yeah, I mean, I d didn't feel the best about Las Vegas. I need know I need to put more laps into Atlanta to get a little bit better. I feel good about when we go to the short track races, but I need to do a lot more practicing on the mile and a half and everything. But I think we'll be okay because I know the team will have a good truck for me. When it comes to the preparation for Atlanta, you mentioned the team having a good truck for you. How has that preparation gone so far to make sure you have that truck all set to go, especially since... It's known for being a track with high tire wear, and it's one of the tracks where, we'll talk about this a bit more with the iRacing build, is it one of the tracks that was adjusted as part of its most recent Season 2 build? Uh, yeah, I think it was adjusted a little bit. I mean, I haven't done a lot of laps around it, but I did some testing today, and there's been a lot of hard work from all the guys at Legacy putting time into it. There's been lots of people testing, and I think we have a lot of good people over there, and it'll be really going really good for all of us. 
of course, when it comes to a schedule such as this, you have to have the adaptability for speedways, short tracks, super speedways. And of course, there's a dirt track in the second round during the snake split round. How difficult do you feel overall this campaign is compared to past years where it was straight up through the entire year where you end up closing things out at the time with Phoenix and Homestead in the closing stages, or rather just Phoenix. Now, you basically have to reform in the first couple rounds. How difficult and how much pressure is there now compared to last year's campaign? Yeah, I mean, I feel like you can't just be good at one type of track and make it. You got to be, you got to be pretty good at all of them if you want a chance to make it into, make it into higher series like pro and all of that. You got to be good at all of it. How much work does it take overall on the sim side, in your opinion, to make sure you have that adaptability? I mean, yeah, you got to put in a lot of laps and a lot of testing and figure out what's best for you. Like everyone is different. So something that works for your teammate might not be the best for you. And that's when it's good to have just a whole good team around you. They can fix stuff to your driving style and everything and just make everything best for that person. Of course, short tracks you mentioned is your skill set or your primary skill set because I want to go back a little bit to the E-NASCAR Ignite Series. It was the first time we both discussed with you, share about your racing, Parker. At that time, talk us through your thought process back then compared to now. Yeah, I mean, back then it was just, it was a lot shorter races, so there wasn't as much, I feel like, there wasn't as much, like, strategy involved in it. It was just some testing to see and go as fast as you could and just try not to just go as fast as you could for, like, 40 laps or so because that was the race. But with these longer races, you have to have strategy and fuel strategy and all of that. So it's a lot harder. Speaking of going back a little bit, let's go back a little bit further. And what made you want to get on board with the iRacing service? And tell us about how you worked your way up to where you are now. I mean, yeah, I seen uh, it was actually Mitchell DeYoung uh, posted something on Facebook, a couple, like I think it was probably seven years ago or something, and I seen something about it, and I got on it, and I wasn't taking it very serious at the start, and then I started having more fun with it, so I started taking it more serious, and got hooked up with some people, and then I've just it worked my way up to here, and now I'm trying to go pro for the first time. Well, you definitely have made a big impact on the iRacing service. Looking at some of your stats on your main your main information is 1,280 wins and phenomenal statistics after that. I mean, you have over 1,000 polls and on the oval side alone with your win percentage rate being about 31%. So 31% of the time you go out there to compete, you're usually taking home the checkered flag. And since you've been on the service since about 2013 – how much have you seen change since then? Yeah, there's been a lot that's changed. Like I've, there's been whole cars that have just gone to like the legacy cars that we don't use anymore. The new tire models, new setup stuff, new tr like how the track changed and everything. There's just been a bunch of changes in like the seven years that I've been here. Well, if for thoughts on this, what would you say for those who are up and coming, working their way up through the iRacing service, or even thinking about, hey, I want to try iRacing, what is some of the advice that you could give to those ones who are going to be future drivers on the service, or maybe possibly be future competitors in the eNASCAR Road to Pro? 
I mean, yeah, you just can't expect to be the quickest car in, with 10 laps on the track. There's lots of practice that goes into it. There's a lot of good people. You just have to put in laps and keep practicing and just don't give up if you want to make it there. And, of course, we talked about this with the NASCAR or the eNASCAR Ignite series, I should rather say. For those who do not know, that was a series that took place for a few years which allowed any young drivers across the iRacing platform to take part in an opportunity to be able to race for prizes through eNASCAR for a few seasons. And you're you're one of its most standout drivers, Parker. Of course, it was the... You were, at one point, one of its potential favorites to win one season. How difficult overall was that campaign, though, with the closing stages, and of course, the crazy finish at the time at Martinsville. I mean, yeah, I, w- I put in a lot of practice. That was the first real, like, big series that I did, and I put in a lot of practice for that, and I ended up, we had, I think, 16 legend races we did to make it into the second round. I won 15 out of my 16 legend races, and actually lost to my teammate, Trayton, in the only one that I lost, and then... I won three out of the four modified races we have to get into the final race of the season. And uh, and then, yeah, I was just riding around and had contact with another driver and basically ended my chance to win the Ignite race. When you think back to that situation, what did you learn from that the most, knowing the tough circumstances in that race and knowing the pressure at the time? Yeah, that was my first really big series. So I did I did have a lot of pressure, but I knew that going into it, I knew that I was one of the favorites, so there was even more pressure to perform. And I knew that people were going to do whatever they had to do to win, and there was probably going to be some dirty driving. And it was just, it was kind of a mess, but it was overall a fun experience, the whole thing I did. Of course, that transitioned over to this year as well, because during the 2020 circumstances that was 2020 of course there was a nascar road series talk to us about how that went where you were dominant to say the very least whenever you were on the racetrack for nascar roots yeah i did nascar route there was actually at a time i was doing a league race every night of the week and nascar roots was one of them that i did and i ended up winning all four weeks of the nascar roots race races i guess the league that they put on how big was that opportunity to compete on a big stage it was through NBC's apps at the time and as well the ability to race against rear wheel drivers to show what you can do against them at least on the virtual side i mean yeah there was a lot of there was a lot of nascar drivers there there was cup drivers there xfinity trucks the arca drivers that i raced with in real life just late model races. There was just a ton of real world racers in it. And it was really cool just against the race against them all on such a big stage with while we were all like waiting for to see what was gonna happen with COVID for the year. And on top of things you mentioned doing league races every single night in twenty twenty. Why did you compete in so many races if you don't want me asking to race all over the iRacing service? Yeah, I was just, I was having a lot of fun with it, and I was just kept getting involved in anything I could, and just anything to get my name out there. So I was just doing whatever I could to race. Such as? Uh, I was doing, 
the Rowdy Energy Super Series. I was in another series called the Western Super Series. There was Parker Kligerman's League. There was just so many leagues that just had big names in it and everything, and I was just doing everything to race against as much competition as possible. What are some of the connections you've been able to build as a result of competing in some of those series? I mean, from my iRacing, I've I've got some sponsors from my real life and all that stuff, and I've got hooked up with everyone at Legacy because of that, I feel, and I've just met a lot of really good people and really cool people through all of that. How does your real-world teams feel about all the sim racing experience that you've been able to build, especially knowing that their brands and their sponsors are also, in many cases, on your vehicles on the iRacing service? Yeah, I mean, they all they all watch it. I know that they're all busy doing nice stuff for my actual real-life racing and everything, but they still all look at it and see it all, and uh, it's just everyone. I have a lot of really supportive people around me. You certainly do. I mean, it's one of the things, if I may say, is what is one thing that you could possibly foresee the future of not just iRacing, but esports in general when it comes to the world of sim racing, of how it could possibly grow in the future? Yeah, I mean, just bigger leagues and all that, I think, will help grow it and just being on bigger stages like i feel like the whole when they were doing like the nascar drivers were doing those races was really good for i racing and esports in general and i feel like that helped a lot of people get to know about it and start coming on i feel like it's i racing's been it grew really fast in the last year it certainly has and we look forward to seeing what the future holds coming up more with our guest of the week park Retzlap, you're listening to the iRacers download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media, where we're speaking with Parker Retzlap, Taylor Burris joining me, Justin Prince, Wayne Owens as your producer for today. As Parker, let's transition things over to the real world side of things because that has been on the rise for the past couple of years. First things first, how did you get involved in the real-world racing, and how big was your family to start things off to be able to get yourself going for your racing career? Yeah, I started by just watching some of the off-road races that we have near me. We have the World Championship off-road races near me, so that's what I first started watching. And then I started watching the like oval, local dirt track oval races. And then I got into it in a, a little mini sprint car is what I raced at first. And it was just me and my dad and my stepmom and my whole family was always there. And it, it was just us doing it to spend more time together. And it was just fun to do. Of course, you're from the state of Wisconsin as well. What are some of the memories from your early days of racing that really stand out to you now? I mean, yeah, I won my first race ever in a race car, so that's kind of, of the first memory that stood out to me. And just, like, seeing my whole family there and, like, cheering me on and everything. When I was, and I was little at this point. I was, like, seven when I first started doing it. So it was just all really cool to me. Yeah, very young when you first started off. And you're still very young at this point as well, keep in mind, where 
You've raced in a lot of various different types of vehicles. You mentioned watching a lawn on the pavement and the dirt, racing on the pavement. You raced in various local series as well. Now, what that the progression up the ladder, how important was it to learn about the cars, to be able to learn how to build them, to be able to learn how to know every in and out of them overall, you feel? Yeah, I mean, until like, I guess, two years ago, it was just mostly me and my dad and just my whole family that took care of all my racing and getting them to the track and the maintenance on you have to do on them and everything. So I guess I learned a lot doing that like every weekend before the races and stuff that would go wrong and stuff that would go right and learning new stuff. So I feel like the more you know, the better and the, the faster you will probably be. Of course, at one point, you were one of the top drivers in the nation when it came to Bandoleros as well. That was 2014, where you were 24th in the nation, rose up to 17th in the nation after finishing second in the state points in 2015 after being the 2014 state champion. A lot of experience, to say the very least, coming up to the ranks. When overall do you feel that ended up getting you towards that radar of, okay, it's time to move up to the national series levels? Oh, I think when I started racing trucks in Wisconsin, I raced trucks in Wisconsin for a while, and then I raced so I raced some late model stuff down south, and that's where I also really started kicking off is when I started racing late models down south. Well, let's fast forward a little bit here, Parker. In about 2019, you, when you made your debuts in the NASCAR Canon series, which is now the Arkham Menard series, and finished fifth in your first attempt over at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Your thoughts on stepping over into one of the feeder series in the NASCAR sanctioned body and seeing what your first thought was of going out to one of these bigger tracks? Yeah, I mean, before that, I guess before, my actual first race was Memphis, Tennessee in a K&N yeah. car. And uh, so I guess going to a place that was a mile long after only racing uh, a place that was my biggest track I was ever been to was like a half mile. So I guess going to somewhere that big was kind of crazy because I had like an hour to learn about the car and to get the track and just everything before the race. So it was kind of crazy, but it, my race, my plan was just to go out there and just not wreck anything and just try and finish the race. Now, 2020 rolls around, of course, and how were things different and, in a sense, possibly even difficult for you to try and compete, whether it be in local areas for you up in Wisconsin or even national tours when it came to the Arkham Menards series? I mean, yeah, 2020, it was really hard because I guess we did we did New Smyrna, and I think I finished seventh at New Smyrna the first race. And then I get, I was down in uh, Pensacola, Florida, when they canceled our race for COVID, and then everything was just shut down for the most of the year. So I didn't get to race for, like, I think four or five months after that until they started opening stuff back up. So it was kind of really hard to just, like, stay in the seat last year. But I'm hoping to race a lot more this year. Well, let's go ahead and take a look at this year. I mean, you started off with a season opener back in February at New Smyrna, and started off things really well with a bang. I mean, coming home with a top 10 finish with probably one of the most exciting races we've seen with the Arkham Menard series over at New Smyrna. Ninth place finish, we're able to take the car home in one piece. 
Uh, your thoughts on your race there at New Smyrna? I mean, yeah, I qualify or I, I was first in practice until right at the end, and I got beat like with like five minutes left in practice. So I finished second in practice, and I qualified sixth, and I led 66 laps in the first 75 of it. And then something happened with NASCAR on pit road, and some some mistake happened somewhere along the line, and it ended up putting me two laps down. So. I was kind of just out of the race from there, and I just had to ride around and try and hope to get my laps back, and I didn't end up getting them back, and I just ended up finishing ninth. And and it was still a great effort to start things off for your campaign. And then fast forward a little bit later on, a couple of weeks later, over at Five Flags, you actually were able to improve your lap time, finish on the lead lap with a sixth-place finish. Uh, your thoughts on that race as making sure of a little bit of improvements compared to your outing at New Smyrna? I mean, yeah, I felt a lot better about New Smyrna. I knew, I know we got a better finish at Five Flags, but I felt like we were a lot more strong at New Smyrna. And I've never been the best at Five Flags in real life, but every time we go back there, we seem to get better. I get better, the team gets better. And it was overall a really good race. And I think I would have finished third in the race. And we had a late yellow. I started on the top. And I lost three spots on the last restart of the race. So it was it was overall, I think, a really, really good race for the ARCA cars. And I just didn't get the result we wanted. Well, with those two finishing results that you got, that puts you tied for sixth position in the point standings for the ARCA Menard Series East division. And still only a lot of racing left to go. Of course, May and June are going to be very busy months for you at Nashville, Dover, and Southern National Motorsports Park. Is there any tracks on the schedule that you are looking forward to where you feel like, I can go out there and win that race or finish top five and contend possibly for a championship? I feel like my... I was always not a big fan of our first two races. So now that those two are done, I really feel confident about going to Dover and Bristol. And then I don't think I've been anywhere else that we go for the rest of the year, but I'm really good at Southern National on, on racing. So hopefully it'll lead over to our real life and we can get a good result at the rest of the races this season and end up competing for the championship. So with you now competing in the Arkham Menard series in the East division, what is your goal, let's say two years or three years down the road and where you would like to be in the world of motorsports in general? I mean, I mean, I would like to go as high up in the, in the ranks as I can, but it all depends on teams, sponsorships, all that stuff. And just, you got to just do as good as you can with every opportunity you get and just got to see where it happens. But hopefully, hopefully truck racing or something higher than that. Well, with that thought in mind, how do you feel with your talent? And if those things are aligned, could we possibly be seeing you in the truck series in a future race? Maybe not this year, but maybe within the next year or two, making at least one of those starts. So that way you could possibly run a full season if everything works work out for you. I mean, yeah, I think I'm guessing, or if everything goes right, that I should, I will hope to be in a truck in the next couple of years. But everything has to go right. You have to have the sponsorship and the people behind you and everything. So there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes. And if everything goes good, hopefully I will be there. Looking back through your entire career in the motorsports world, I mean, you started at a very young age. You've been in the biz in the world of racing for nine plus years now. 
how have you feel as you as a person, you know, working with cars, working with your family, working with sponsors and working with other people on your teams has helped build you up to be the racer you are today? Yeah, I mean, I've been with a lot of people, and I've had a lot of people around me that have either raced in the NASCAR series or done the crew chiefing stuff for the NASCAR series, so there's been a lot of good people around me the whole time, and I feel like it's taught me a lot, and you just got to keep keep fighting as hard as you can. Well, Parker, one of the things we always like to make sure we try and do is where can people go and follow your story and keep up to date with your information, your career in racing, as well as to get to know more about you? What are some things that you even like to do outside of iRacing and racing in general? Yeah, I mean, I like to go watch races and uh, I do a lot of traveling for racing, so I really like that. And uh, I really don't do much. My kind of my life kind of revolves all around racing. So I really don't do anything outside of of eye racing, racing, watching racing, all that stuff. So pretty much a eat, sleep, and breathe racing mentality, no matter what. Yeah, I. That's really all I do. Is just stuff to do with racing. Okay. Well, what is one of the tracks then that you would love to compete in the future? Uh that I've never been to? That you've never been to? Mm-hmm. Daytona. Daytona. Or, well, I've, I've tested there, but I didn't race there. Well, I think everybody agrees. Who, anyone in the world of motorsports would love to race Daytona if they haven't got the chance. Uh, Justin, did you have a thought? I was going to ask, why Daytona? I don't know. I just really like like the speed and just like all the drafting and everything. And I had a lot of fun when I tested there, so I want to go back there and do a race with all the drafting and just like how crazy it all is and... That's just something I've always wanted to do is just Daytona. Well, let's talk about this right quick. How would you compare, since you've had experience both in the real world and in the virtual world, how would you compare the differences of racing at Daytona International Speedway to give listeners a chance to see the differences yet also similarities? Yeah, I mean, the whole the track on iRacing, all, it all looks the same and everything. It's just you can't really feel like the actual air on like your actual body, like, on iRacing, like, you kind of realize, like, you're just completely stuck to the sea, like, you're stuck to one side of the sea, you can't move, and it's just so much air, and you can feel the air moving the car and everything, and it's just really cool in real life. Now, one of the things also is, some people who always ask our, one of the members we have on our show is, what are some of the other things that you like to do? We notice you also are a big fan of dirt racing, I know one of the things you would like to do outside of one of your testing or preparing for the E-NASCAR Road to Pro is take on the big block modifieds. Your thoughts on that car as well as the dirt racing that you do on the service? Yeah, I, I think the big block is my favorite car, and that was the car that I really started to like when I got into like dirt racing. I get into, like I do some dirt racing, but I'm more focused on like asphalt, but I really do like dirt racing, and I'm not the biggest fan of dirt racing in real life, but I like it on the sim, and I like the big block modified on the sim. Well, Justin, is there another thought you would like to add on that matter? I was going to actually ask about that, Parker, where why do you feel you enjoy it more in the sim than in the real world, the dirt racing? I don't know. I just have always liked asphalt racing more in real life, and I do like asphalt racing more in just like 
in general, even real life on the sim, but I do have more fun, like, doing it on the sim than I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I would like to race something like a late model or something, a dirt or a modified or something, and see if I liked that more, but I think when I was I was younger when I raced dirt, and I did like asphalt a lot more. Well, Parker, we want to say thank you for coming on the show today. Where can people go to follow you on social media to keep up with your career on both the iRacing world as well as in the NASCAR Arkham Menard series? Yeah, you can go to Parker Retzloff Racing on Facebook or at Parker Retzloff on Instagram or at Parker79P on Twitter. There's a lot of places that you can follow everything, but uh, Instagram and Facebook are my main two things that I post on and everything. Well, Parker, we do appreciate you coming on and looking forward to maybe having you come back later on this year if you're able to collect a win or even maybe even make it in through the first round of the E-NASCAR Road to Pro Series. And we look forward to seeing what you can do for the rest of the series in the Arkham Menard Series East. That is Parker Retzlaff, winner of the E-NASCAR Road to Pro at Las Vegas, round number one. Coming up, news of the week and events coming up. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download, and we just got done with speaking with Parker Retzlaff, winner at the E-NASCAR Road to Pro Series round at Las Vegas. Justin, great interview with him, and also looking forward to seeing what he can do not just in the virtual world, but in reality, competing in the Arkham Menard series. But let's talk briefly about that race because there was a lot of things going on with the top split. Of course, hundreds of drivers tried to compete in this race to see if they can make it into the top 70. And if I remember correctly, Justin, you also competed in that race. Tell us how your race went for you. It's more so towards the lower side in split seven, but mine was more so a smooth and simple one caution flag race, Taylor, where that race took a lot of strategy and in the end required finesse when it came to short run pace. Overall, though, at that lower level, Cameron Hearn dominated that respective race. But for Parker Retzlaff, he was somebody you talked about who had to come through traffic. Started off in 11th position, just six laps led in that race in total. It was the type of race where you needed to, in any split, have pace on the long run, be willing to time up your runs, and be patient when it comes to your moves. Because the drivers who push too much on their tires, Taylor, regardless of the split, especially in the higher splits, I feel, ended up falling back and losing a ton of pace at the end of the run. That's actually what happened to me, where I pushed a lot in the first run to get some clean air, fell back at least two positions per run while gaining positions back on the short run, the next stint, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be that type of season overall. And Las Vegas, I think, really showed that, especially with where Parker Retzloff was able to come away with the checkered flag. But keep in mind, second split as well was a photo finish, Taylor. It certainly was a lot of heavy hitters in that second split. I, I was a little bit focused on the split I was with, spotting for Dustin Johnson, who he came home with 11th. But tell us a little about that second split race, Justin. Well, if for those who kept along, Santiago Torres was able to come away with the checker flag in a photo finish, one of the closest finishes in the qualifying series with Nicholas Shelton in a battle for position for the win. The difference, 0. .010 seconds over Shelton was Torres in that race. 112 laps led for Torres in the second split alone. He was one of the quickest drivers all race long, but... 
it came down to the closing stages in what was a caution-free race. That's the key word, caution-free, and it comes down to the size of the front bumper. It takes a lot of skill to be able to keep up and battle like that in the closing stages. And I think it was shown in that race for second split as well that you had to have the skill to be able to put yourself in position to battle. Same thing for the top split. Parker Retzlaff won by two-tenths of a second over Derek Bordeaux, Bordeaux rather, with Colin Keister, Alex McCollum, Donovan Strauss, all top five drivers, all drivers who we know have pace to be contenders all season long in top split. Certainly so, and we'll touch briefly on some of the heavy hitters inside the top 70. Michael Gariglia, former E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series competitor, he sits 10th. Same thing with Brandon Cattell, he's in 21st position. A little further back, you'll see drivers such as Chris Overland, former Wood Brothers driver for the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola Series, sits 33rd. And then, of course, a couple of other drivers such as one of our very one of the biggest names who has yet made a start in the eNASCAR Coca-Cola series, Seth DeMerchant, sits in 35th position. And as we work our way back, Justin, you're sitting actually in 56th position. So you're inside that bubble and then rounding out the top 70 who's holding on to that bubble spot. Former NASCAR driver Elliot Sadler sits in that 70th spot. There's a lot of heavy hitters, absolutely, where Throughout the past couple of years, we're talking names that had been in the spotlight and are in the spotlight on a weekly basis across the service. The tough part, I think, is going to be Taylor, though, keeping it up throughout the season. And we talked about that before, where you need to be consistent at all types of racetracks. That's going to be very critical, especially trying to adapt to new builds, Taylor. And speaking of new builds, this past week so far, iRacing is going through a build week, which for those of you who are new to the iRacing service, is basically a giant update for the iRacing service. And I got to say, there was a lot of surprises and a lot of interesting things. And let's start off with probably one of the biggest surprises. A brand new card was just released actually a couple of days prior to the release of this episode. The McLaren 570S GT4. For those of you who are a fan of that, you can probably catch that in British GT, IMSA WeatherTech's competition, as well as many other forms of GT4 competition, along with two major new tracks, the Hockenheim Ring, which is home to the German Grand Prix, and then, of course, a new off-road course, Justin, Bark River Motorsports Park. Bark River, Bark River International Raceway in particular, which, keep in mind, it's home to Upper Michigan's only professional off-road racing events for the past 40 years, and it's considered one of the best short-course dirt tracks in the entire nation. It was an exciting build, actually, because I think more so because of Bristol Motor Speedway's dirt track, Taylor, is going to be the bigger key, because, yes, it is an additional configuration, but the first night of action, anywhere Upwards of 30-plus different hosted sessions were up with drivers trying different combinations on the high banks of Bristol Motor Speedway. We're talking 10-second lap times for some of the cars on that racetrack. It, there's nothing like it before on the iRacing service, meaning there's many drivers who are excited as can be to see, okay, what's it going to be like in real life when the Real World Dirt Nationals happen there and the Real World 
Truck and Cup Series dates happen there in just a couple weeks' time. Certainly so, and a lot of drivers, I'm pretty sure, all throughout the NASCAR levels are going to be going there and testing Bristol Dirt here throughout these next couple of weeks because end of this month, beginning of April, we should be seeing the NASCAR Cup Series and the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series make their debut over at the dirt track at Bristol Motor Speedway. So it's going to be intense. A lot of people are taking preparation in order to get ready for that race. And, of course, thanks mm-hmm. to iRacing, we have that capability where people can go and test for this event. Absolutely, especially since they allow now the ability for stock car tires to go along with the update because in many cases, Taylor, for series across the iRacing platform, they had attempted running things on dirt, but it depended on a build-to-build scenario where sometimes you can get the car to work perfectly. Other times, you need to find the right combination for you to hit the racetrack. Now, you can take the cup car and take it anywhere on the dirt or the truck, which was an option before, but are things like the 1987 cars, which have been very popular on the dirt. Keep in mind that 1987 car for both the Chevrolet Monte Carlo and the Ford Thunderbird, both received some updates as well, Taylor, because both of them, along with the Dallara IR01, the Formula Renault 2.0, and the Street Stocks, are all now on the new damage model, which means you're going to see a lot of... <laughs> yes! Absolute <laughs> carnage! But they're going to be fun to see, okay, can we keep the tires on the car, and will we have to avoid a bumper bar? And you know what? That's one of the things I have to applaud iRacing on is taking the time. Yes, I know probably when people first got on iRacing and they saw how cars got damaged, they're like, well, that's nothing like some other games or some other sims that they've been on. But iRacing took the time in order to make that damage more realistic for us to enjoy. A couple of other news that was in release build. Of course, Super Late Models got their major upgrade to more 2021 spec models compared to what originally was several years ago's spec late models. And of course, Circuit de Barcelona Catalunya added their rally cross circuit onto the Circuit Barcelona of uh, Barcelona Circuit. So a very great addition to our iRacing Rally Cross Championship later on that'll happen. Absolutely great to see some new variations available for those cars. But one of the main ones I think that went under the radar to Taylor is Dynamic track adjustments were made to some of the circuits, such as Homestead Miami Speedway, talked about a little bit, Atlanta Motor Speedway, our tracks such as Las Vegas Motor Speedway, to open up various different grooves for oval racing, Taylor. And based on what's been seen throughout the week so far, for those who have been racing a lot at Homestead Miami Speedway on the service in what is called Class C Open Racing, there are drivers using the top. At Homestead, there's a lot of excitement to see how that progresses now throughout 2021 because it can provide some great racing. And there were some updates, too, as well to the super speedways, to the draft model as well, Taylor. It certainly was. And that's going to be a big play because they're not, instead of now what we've seen before where drafting, you can have maybe a couple of cars pull away. That's not going to happen anymore. It's more realistic to what we see in the NASCAR Cup Series, the NASCAR exactly. Xfinity, and the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, where 
you have to actually watch your momentum and make sure you have enough momentum to make passes, which is going to make it more close. It's going to make it more exciting, but also could possibly mean more mistakes and more major incidents that happen on the track. So we'll have to see once we later on get through the season and see how this will benefit or maybe be a disadvantage to some drivers later on. But speaking of later on, we have a couple of races to look forward to ahead of us, starting off with the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup kicking off their next round. Justin, where are they going to be at? Well, their series is all set to go to the Circuit of Spa Francochamps, where it's expected to be some interesting racing, especially with the dominance that has been Joshua K. Rogers this season. Two wins, four top fives, five top tens so far in the campaign. And don't forget two pole awards so far for him so far. It's going to be tough to try and beat him in the standings because right now he's nearly got a 100-point advantage. He's been consistent all the racetracks, especially in the sprint round, and that's the critical thing. The sprint round has been his bread and butter to secure solid points throughout each of the races so far this season. It's going to be tough for Mitchell DeYoung and Kevin Ellis Jr., who, for Ellis Jr., he's got 281 points, already more than 100-plus points behind Rogers. Dion, right now, 322 points. That total, currently about 83-plus points pack. It's going to be difficult for both of those drivers to close in, but it is doable if they start working now. Certainly going to be exciting to watch that, and of course... We have the E-NASCAR series also heading out next week. It's going to be over, starting off with the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series, heading to Atlanta Motor Speedway. Of course, the last time we went to Atlanta, Real Fala was the winner there. So a lot to look forward to seeing who can come out on top on Tuesday on March 16th at Hotlanta. And then later on that week on Thursday, the E-NASCAR Road to Pro kicks off their qualifying round number two for that race at Atlanta as well. So a doubleheader for Atlanta for the E-NASCAR series. And both races, I think, are going to be intriguing to see how drivers have been able to adapt to Atlanta since there is the potential of different lines that may pop up, but it's also a track where being good on the long run is very consistent and very much needed for both of those types of series. So it's going to be important that all the drivers have been putting in the work throughout the past few weeks to make sure they're ready to go, especially this week, to make sure they're up to speed because you fall off too much, Taylor, you're not taking that checkered flag for either of those races. You end up having a truck or a car that is too tight, let's say, off the corners, you're likely falling back a couple positions each time you slide. You have to make sure you get a good positioning there in Atlanta. I think both of those series are going to see a bit of surprises, I think, honestly, because Atlanta's the type of track where different drivers usually thrive at that circuit, and it usually is the ones who are great at managing their equipment as well as being able to assert themselves through strategy throughout the race. Remember last year, for example, for Enascar with Ray Alfala. Certainly so, and of course, you can catch all the action on those two races for the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series on March 16th. You can catch it on iRacing streaming platforms as well as NASCAR's streaming platforms on YouTube, Facebook, and others. And then, of course, for the eNASCAR Road to Pro, you can catch the action on the top split 
for Podium Esports Network, as well as the second split, which is the next split down from those drivers who are not up there yet, but are working their way up on the STN Racing Network. Well, with that, it is time that we come to a close. For our special guest, Parker Retzlaff, Justin Prince, my co-host, and our fabulous producer, Wayne Owens, I am Taylor Burris. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sports Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media.